Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. It's officially episode 18. And you know what that means? Well, first off, before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. Man, I sure hope we get some commercials in here soon. Get some paid sponsors, maybe? Yeah, only in my dreams. <laughs> but anyway, in the last episode of Behind the Catch Fence, we had the driver of the number 29 Genesis Honda for Andretti Autosport, James Hinchcliffe, on the show. It was a real joy hearing about all of his experiences throughout his career, how his appearance on Dancing with the Stars came about, as well as how his two dogs, Weller and Lucy, keep him busy during quarantine. If you guys haven't listened to that episode yet, you should go check it out right now on Spotify and iTunes. Now, this week on the podcast, we have the driver of the number 20 U.S. Air Force Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing, Connor Daly. It's been a wild career for Daly to get to where he is today, which included him racing for five different teams in the past two years. But through all the struggle, Daly secured a full season ride with running the road and street courses for Ed Carpenter Racing, which includes the 104th running of the Indy 500, as well as the rest of the ovals on the 2020 NTT IndyCar Series schedule for Carlin Racing in the number 59 entry. Daly has been known for having one of the more interesting personalities in the IndyCar paddock, so I'm sure you guys will have a good laugh or two. I'll shut up now so we can get to the interview, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this special episode with Connor Daly. Hey, Connor. What's up? How you doing? How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, you? Good. What you been up to uh, lately with quarantine and everything? <laughs> oh honestly um super busy now uh but it's it's uh it's good it's nice to be nice to be doing stuff so it's uh can't complain at all no, can't definitely. complain at all how many hours do you feel you've spent just on i racing forza call of duty just the past couple months <laughs> Ooh, uh, a lot like uh, more more than i'd uh more than i'd like to admit but uh but yeah it was uh it, <laughs> A lot, most of it was fun. Most of it was fun. And then uh, when it comes to like the LCQ, uh, what, what exactly is the LCQ league? If you could uh, describe that with uh, Hinchcliffe, Rossi, Pastrana, all those guys. Yeah, so it was just an idea that we came up with um, after some of the, the – we got, we got roped into this uh, rallycross um, stuff, uh, me and Alex and Hinch. And, uh, and Travis Pastrana was in it and it was after the first event, I think I streamed it and we, we had a great time doing it. And then Travis, Travis had done a video with Red Bull and Alex at the Speedway. Um, so they knew each other and then Travis like got in contact with, uh, with Alex and, or, and Alex's, um, assistant, uh, and he, he wanted to jump in with us. And so then we all started talking and we all kind of had a great time, um, and it just it just turned into something, you know, with Chad Reed as well. It was a kind of a big group, um, and it was very serious in this rallycross league. So we were like, well, what if we did something that was less serious, um, but you know, a lot of fun? So uh, we just decided to come up with some titles and some random, you know, random random things, 
uh, and, and it ended up being pretty cool. So hopefully, you know, hopefully people have enjoyed it. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, starting off, uh, throughout all the times you've been interviewed before, what's a question that you haven't been asked before? Oh, gee, I don't know. I, that's that, probably that one. That That's it right there. I, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I don't mind talking about anything. I think there's, uh, I think some, sometimes, you know, some of the questions, if, uh, you know, if people, I, I, I'll never, I'll never really sort of forget random questions about like reality TV, like, uh, like amazing race stuff that we did. You never know. Cause there could be a lot of, you know, a lot of big, amazing race fans out there. I'm not sure, but, uh, but yeah, I, I can't really, I can't really name one off the top of my head for sure. I know when I talked to uh Hinchcliffe a couple weeks ago, he had said, well, you know, what time he woke up in the morning. So what time did you yeah. wake up this morning? Oh, I don't know. This morning I got woken up at seven 45 because, uh, there was a man outside my front door who was delivering a simulator to me. Ooh. So I, I had no idea that he was coming. And um, some Russian guy uh, was at my door very early. And I was I did not expect that. I was not told that it was being delivered today. But uh, it turned out to be quite a project setting up uh, like a full on real simulator in my upstairs room. So I guess you don't have the uh, you know hundred dollar hundred ninety nine dollar little simulator anymore now. Yeah, it has it has very much uh, changed. Uh, All in sports in Miami, they sent me a, a full on uh, wraparound monitor and and seat uh, with pedals and a Fanatec wheel. So uh, it's 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 being tuned and uh, and and worked into the technology center upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the bad luck Connor memes that have just kind of gone a little bit viral in the IndyCar world as of recently? It's funny, man. I mean, honestly, this, 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 it started a while ago. It started in 2017 because we had so much stuff in 2000, 2017 that happened that was just really unexplainable. Um, and And really, it's been my whole life. I mean, all my friends know me like that. I mean, it's not... You know, it's not like bad decision making leads to certain things happening. It's just like totally random. And sometimes that's how life works out. Um, it's been hilarious. And uh, I mean, as long as I can make people laugh, might it be painful for me? Yes. But I, uh, I enjoy uh, making people laugh. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been kind of uh, my life is just a meme and it's going to be a great book someday. I do plan on probably writing a book. Um, and in that book, uh, you will never, you probably would never believe what you'd find. So we'll see. Oh boy. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> but I know you, uh, you'd lived with uh, Alexander Rossi, uh, for a little bit when you were, you know, starting up in the, into the series, uh, what was it like living with a fellow competitor first off? And then were there any crazy or just weird stories that kind of came along with living with him? Well, I lived with Hinch before him too. So oh, it was, yeah. you know, it was two in a row. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it like in 2015 when I moved in with Hinch, I wasn't full time yet. Like I was really trying to. So you know, Hinch was trying to help, and uh, he helped. He helped so much that he injured himself uh, enough to get me in a car. So, um, so it was pretty wild to uh, you know to go through that with Hinch, and then you know basically end up going from half employed to uh, you know fully employed rookie while I was living at Hinch's house, um, and then obviously went from there to Alex. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, it's cool because we're on the same schedule. So, you know, we're, we're all leaving at the same time. Uh, most of the time, you know, if I was with Alex, you know, we'll, we'll probably just roll to the airport together, uh, cause that was easy enough. So, uh, a lot of the times, 
you know, that we, we understand what we were doing, you know, we'd get back and just, you know, go eat some dinner right after the race or whatever. We'd get back from the events or tests. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of the times you want to kind of keep drivers always want to keep things to themselves. I'm sure as well, when it comes to phone calls and stuff like that. So, you know, there'd be a bit of that, but it ended up being quite an honest, you know, an honest situation. We got to know each other probably quite a lot more. Um, and it was cool for sure. I, do I like living by myself now? Yes, absolutely. But, uh, but it was definitely cool to, you know, even, even go, go see how, you know, Alex won the Indy 500, uh, and what was going on afterwards, you know, all those people, people were sending him cool stuff. You know, we all got to kind of experience that together, which was, which was kind of cool for sure. And, uh, you know, speaking of Alex, you guys competed on season 30 of the amazing race. So what was that just entire experience experience like? And, uh, just what are some of the biggest challenges that came with that and just a totally new realm? Well, I mean, I think some of the biggest challenges were the fact that we just didn't know what it was all about. I mean, I watched the show when I was, uh, when I was younger, um, and I liked it a lot, but, but it's definitely a lot more difficult than, than you think. It's a lot more difficult than it appears. Um, and it's just weird. It's just, it's very different from how, you know, you interact normally in real life and, and how you just do things day to day. So, um, so yeah, that, it, but it was fun. I mean, I, I think Alex has a bit of a different opinion, uh, about it, but, uh, but I, I certainly think it was worth it. I, I definitely would do it again. Uh, I don't know if Alex would do it again with me, but, um, but yeah, I mean, even, you know, even today it was funny, you know, he was helping me put together, uh, you know, put together my simulator cause he's got one very similar, similar. And like some of the stuff that, you know, he does, it was very, you know, it's very similar to the amazing race. You know, he'll just do stuff on these computers. And I was like, do you have no, any idea what you're doing? He's like, Nope, but we're going to try it. And I was like, it was the same thing in the amazing race. And I was like, he's like, oh, you're asking too many questions. I was like, yeah, but you know me, like, this is a, like, this is amazing. Like, was this exactly the way we were on amazing, on the amazing race? So, um, so yeah, it, it was fun overall. Learned a lot about Alex, learned a lot about the world. Uh, which was cool, and uh, I would definitely do it again someday if you know if I had the chance. I mean, if you were to do it, you know, you know, different season, different year, who would it be if it wasn't uh, Rossi? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I actually think it would be really fun to do it with uh, with Ed Carpenter, my boss now. Uh, I think he'd be really good at it. Um, and uh, I mean, Hinch would be really good, but Hinch is Canadian, can't do it. Um, and I mean, other than that, just really smart people. Like you gotta, you gotta think about who is going to be the smartest person. And, um, you know, I just, I just don't know who that would be yet. Man, you might have to try and figure that out. Text a couple people, try and figure that out then. But, uh, you know, looking back on the the beginning of your IndyCar career, what do you feel is just the biggest challenge that you had to overcome just from a driving perspective? Um, I think just the evolution of, of how each team, uh, you know, sets their car up. Everyone has a different, everyone has a different opinion on philosophy on how cars should be set up and how, how they can go the fastest and every driver drives differently. So, you know, I've had the, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of driving for almost all the teams, but it's also very tough to do that as well. So, um, you know, I've got to experience a lot of different philosophies on how, uh, cars are, uh, you know, baselined and how people like to, uh, how people like to, what direction people like to go when it comes to, you know, tuning a car. Um, and, and I've had to convince a lot of people that the way I would like to drive the car is maybe different than, than what they want to do. And in the end, I've never not got along with a team or, or engineer. Um, 
you know, because I, I think everyone wants to do the same thing, and that's try and be as fast as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy working with engineers because they're very smart people and they're very a lot smarter than me. Um, but I'm the one who has to lead them the right direction. So, uh, so yeah, I think the most challenging part has been trying to get into situations that are very new uh, and immediately do well. Uh, it's just it's almost impossible to do that. But uh, thank, I sad, sadly, I've got a ton of experience now. Uh, but I, I would like to be, you know, where I am, hopefully for, uh, you know, for an extended period of time. You know, are there any individuals that you know just have influenced you in a big way over the course of your career, just not only as a driver but just as a person as well? Um, I mean, probably, you know, Alex has been really helpful for me, uh, Rossi, um, you know, there's, there's been, uh, I mean, he, he's helped me a lot and been honest with me, you know, in a lot of different situations, uh, you know, James as well, Hinchcliffe. Um, but I, I think there's the community in general is quite supportive and I've got a very, very, I've got a great family as well. That's always been, uh, been helpful. Um, you know, Townsend Bell has often been quite helpful also. Uh, you know, I got to race with him a little bit towards the beginning of my Indy 500 career, um, which is which has been pretty cool. And, and lately, Paul Tracy's been a big, uh, you know, I've, I talked to Paul Tracy a lot. And uh, and he's obviously done an incredible amount in a, in a race car, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, thankfully, I've got, you know, a lot of people that, that, that are willing to help and support, uh, which is which is nice. Uh, growing up in Indiana, uh, what, what memories do you have of the Indianapolis 500 and just what makes the race so special to you? Well, I mean, I was always there. Uh, you know, every every day of my life, uh, you know, in the month of May w was at the racetrack. So I spent every day after school there. You know, we I, I'd, I'd go from elementary school, middle school, high school. Every day that I didn't have a car, you know, when I wasn't old enough to drive, you know, my, my mom was working at the track, so my, my grandma or someone else would have to pick us up from school and, uh, and go out to the track because I wanted to, I wanted to be there for practice and, and whatever I could see. So uh, it was just such, a, such a, uh, an important part of my life growing up because it was, it was family history, it was tradition, um, and it was just so fun for me. I, I, I truly enjoyed being at IndyCar races in general, but the Indy 500 in particular was, it was such a big and special month. So, I mean, I, I, I can't nail it down to one thing. I thought seeing, you know, seeing new winners was always really cool for me. Seeing people who hadn't won before, seeing that emotion, um, was really, really cool. Uh, and, and being there for so many historic moments, uh, you know, was, was, was pretty awesome as well. And I, I hear a lot of times that IndyCar drivers are wired differently. Just from your perspective, what does that term wired differently mean to you? Well, I think just what we do is more dangerous than anything else. You know, obviously, I think that that's flat out what people say. You know, it, it's it's what every now and then you see. You see Formula One drivers talk about IndyCar. They're like, oh, I don't know if I would ever do that. Purely because of the danger level and the ovals. You know, they don't they don't talk about the road courses. You know, we that that's that's great racing. It's probably better racing than they have. Um, but the, but the real, uh, you know, test of, of our mental and physical abilities comes on the ovals. Uh, and, and even when I talk to NASCAR guys as well, I mean, those guys think we're crazy as well. And, and it's not crazy. I think it's just, it's just what we love to do. I mean, certain people, you know, Dario went and did both, you know, Dario did NASCAR and IndyCar, but Dario certainly, I think loved the IndyCar side a little bit more and, and was certainly more successful in that area. 
Um, and you know, it's for some people and it's not for others. Uh, but, but I love to see, you know, drivers from other series, give it a try and, 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 and do it, uh, you know, like Fernando Alonso, like Kurt Busch, uh, you know, hopefully like Jimmy Johnson, obviously at some point, um, and, and maybe even more guys. So, uh, you know, so we'll certainly see how it goes, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 I think we're wired differently because what we're doing is probably, you know, the highest level of danger. And just, you know, along those lines of just drivers, you know, crossing over in different series, uh, just would you ever consider, like, what would you say would be like a a great career just from your perspective? Like if you were to say, okay, I could have like a cup ride and then Formula One ride, you know, at some point in your career, would you want to, you know, be able to have that type of career or just focus solely on IndyCar? Oh, I mean, I I mean, being realistic, none of that's even possible now uh, to go anywhere else, but um, but I'm pretty happy with, with what I've done. You know, I'm, I'm one of two Americans, one of three Americans, I guess, if JR counts his test with force India, you know, who have driven formula one cars for, you know, current teams, um, you know, in the last decade, which is really cool. Uh, you know, JR Hildebrand got to test with force India, uh, at, at Barcelona once. And, you know, I did a lot of their, uh, straight line testing, which was pretty cool. And you know what? It didn't work out over there, which is totally fine. It hasn't worked out for any American in quite a long time. Um, it's just not. I don't. I don't think they really are very open-minded about having us over there anyway. Um, but you know, really proud of what we did over there. Uh, you know, Alex and I obviously were able to win races over there against some of the best in the world. Some of the guys that are in Formula One currently right now. Uh, some guys that just signed with Ferrari as well. Carlos Sainz Jr. I mean, he's a great guy. Great, great competitor. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I love IndyCar. Uh, it was really fun to get to do a NASCAR race. I really enjoyed that. I want to do that again if I can. Um, but, uh, but the only other thing that I really, really want to do is, is Le Mans. I think that would be the, that would be something on my, on my bucket list of, you know, events. I've done the Rolex 24. I've done the Sebring 12 hour. I've done a NASCAR race. I've done IndyCar races. I've raced on dirt, uh, but really want to do Le Mans as well. And, you know, just, you've driven on various tracks throughout your career, what would you feel has been just the most challenging for you just to try and figure out? Um, I, I think a track that I really struggle with still is, is Iowa. Oddly enough, it's not a road course. Uh, Iowa is, is, is really challenging. Um, I think, I think Barber is difficult for me as well. Um, but, you know, there are just certain tracks that suit certain drivers and, and their styles. Um, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've always gone well at Gateway, always gone well at Indy GP. You know, there are certain road courses that, uh, you know, suit my style better than others. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think, I think Iowa has always been the most challenging for me. Really, until last year, I hadn't even – I won there in the road to Indy, which is weird. I really liked it in the road to Indy like in pro Mazda when I was doing it, but then in IndyCar, it was just very, very different. So there's, there's certain things there that I haven't been able to really get a hold of yet, but last year was quite a, quite a step forward. So hopefully we can do that again this year. The past two seasons, uh, you've, it's been an uphill battle just for you as a driver with only running a partial schedule for five different teams. Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges that you faced with not only just running for, you know, a variety of teams and then just, keeping your confidence up, you know, just when rides are, weren't very, you know, there's very limited. Well, drivers want to win races that there, there's no, there's no doubt about that. But in my situation, 
it's 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 almost impossible to do that. So you have to you have to almost rein back your expectations a little bit, um, because there is no other driver that's jumping in cars randomly and just winning races. It's just it's just not what happens. You, you, there, it's just it's too difficult in the current era of IndyCar um, because it's so competitive and there are so many good drivers to do that. So um, get in and and do what we did you know there, there are small things that that you have to be super proud of and super happy about you know like like what we did at the 500 you know this is my first race of the year it was a great we had a great qualifying my best qualifying and, and my best race um you know it could have even been a little bit better uh and then you know driving with carlin you know we had such a consistent run of of, of good finishes you know no dnfs um, we, we went out there and we finished all the races. We did our job. We, we improved the car and we essentially were fighting to potentially even win a race in gateway. And I think that was something that we're so proud of, uh, and that I was really proud of the team for, um, and then qualifying at Portland, you know, a track that I had never seen, uh, and with a team that, you know, I had been with five years earlier, uh, four years earlier, but in a totally different situation, you know, to qualify eighth or ninth or whatever we did. Uh, again, something that, that I was super, super happy about, and that's really all you can do. And so, um, you know, could it have gone better? I'm sure. Yeah. If everything was perfect. Um, but, but, but in situations like that, you just have to tame your expectations a little bit, uh, and just execute at the highest level and make sure that, you know, you're making all the people around you, uh, you know, do the best job they can. And, and hopefully you can make everyone happy. You know, and with, you know, going along with last season, you know, what type of things did you have to try and do just as you're running a limited schedule to just try and find like land a sponsorship and then just a team as well? How did like, how did everything with Ed Carpenter racing kind of come to be? Well, realistically, it was all about, you know, the Air Force. After the Indy 500, the Air Force were obviously really jazzed about everything. And, uh, you know, Andretti Autosport had done a great job uh, working with me and working with them. Uh, and, and they wanted to add to the program and, and they, they surprised me with it. Even they, they had contacted Andretti and said that they wanted to do Laguna Seca, which is really cool. Um, and I know what level of investment that added to the program. And that's, it's to do a one-off event with Andretti is, is a high price tag. Um, and so that was really exciting for me. Uh, and, and from, from there though, you start to realize, okay, well, what does next year look like? And, and honestly, Andretti didn't have any cars. I mean, there was, there was a, 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 a need and a want to continue this program. Um, but for what the Air Force, uh, you know, could spend and what they were look, looking to invest uh, in IndyCar, um, there, there had to be a, a, a new thought process on how do we do this? How do we get the most out of this? Uh, and it, it was it was the best possible scenario to end up with Ed. Ed's a great guy, great team owner, uh, you know, very American. And the, you know, what we needed uh, to do the amount of races that we are doing with them, um, you know, was lower than any other team because Ed obviously runs the full season with that car. Um, but he doesn't do all the races. So, uh, you know, it, it just, it just, all the puzzle pieces fit correctly. And, you know, the air force, this is the third year in a row for them and they've invested more every year. So we would love to be able to continue to get them the return on their investment that they need to continue investing in us like that. And then going along with the Air Force, uh, you know, this year's livery for the Indy 500, that, you know, just honoring Chuck Yeager, you know, first pilot to break the sound barrier. Uh, how did that come together? Just, you know, just the livery itself and what, where did the idea come from and what makes the car so special just to run and the biggest race of the year? Well, it obviously looks awesome. And, and, and the Air Force go through 
you know, they go through a lot of different planes and, and, and ideas. And I've got to say they're, they're very creative and, and they want to come up with something that, um, you know, that, 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 that will be eye catching. Obviously they've got now reputation for having super eye, uh, attractive vehicles and exciting liveries. Um, so it was all down to them and, and it's going to be cool to drive. It's going to be awesome to, to see on track, I think, and for, for what it represents. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier. It'll be a little while. We've got to wait a little while. Um, but, uh, you know, both cars that we've got are certainly pretty, uh, pretty awesome. And moving along, uh, with Roger Penske, you know, owning the Brickyard and the IndyCar series now, uh, how big of an influence do you think he has just on the trajectory of the sport as a whole is going forward in, you know, a couple of years? I, I think it's great. Honestly, I think Roger, what, what he's doing is, is huge for us. I think certainly in these times right now, uh, you know, financially, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be challenging for these teams, for the sport, uh, because this, you know, it, it is a money driven industry and we've got to be able to survive. So I think thankfully we do have Roger behind the, you know, behind the steering wheel here. Uh, I'm excited to see where, you know, where the, the future of IndyCar, because we don't really know, you know, we haven't started, we haven't started his first year yet behind, uh, you know, behind the control unit there. So, um, you know, I, I can't wait to get through year one and just, and just see what happens, see how, uh, people adjust to the new ownership. And, you know, from then on, uh, hopefully it's, it's onwards and upwards. Uh, recently iRacing has become the go-to for race fans. Uh, you know, obviously the last race of the season was interesting to say the least. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts just on iRacing as a whole for IndyCar and how do you see it just changing the landscape if you do feel it does just, you know, going forward in the future for motorsports? Well, I think, I think esports are super important to integrate into, you know, the, the real sport. Um, I think it's really cool that, you know, Formula One and, and, and NASCAR have, uh, you know, their own E-Series essentially with eSport, you know, e-racers. Um, you know, I, I would hope IndyCar would do the same thing. I, I think there's also, though, a lot of negativity that's going on right now, and there's a lot of things that are making real drivers not want to be a part of it. Uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself with, with some of the events that have happened over the last couple weeks, um, which is a shame. I think right now, there people are, are very bored and they're very, you know, there's a lot that we could just comment on because I think people, since they have access to iRacing and sim racing, there are a lot more experts out there than, than us, because realistically us as real drivers, we are not experts on iRacing. We are not. And, and we, and we are also not as good as a lot of sim racers out there. So um, it's got pretty aggressive online lately and it's got pretty interesting, but I have really enjoyed uh, being a part of the events that I have done. I don't think I would get into it, uh, you know, seriously and try to pursue a certain license on iRacing just because I just, I, I don't want that kind of, I just don't want that kind of flack or that kind of pressure should, should something go wrong because it's not necessary. It doesn't help my job in any way in real life. So, um, so I, I'm excited and I, I think it's been awesome to have the support from iRacing that we've got. Uh, I know they've been supporting us as drivers, which is really cool. Uh, and we've got a lot of help from them when it comes to, you know, the, the E IndyCar series, whatever it was called. Um, and, and yeah, where do we go from now? I don't know. I think you see a dramatic decrease in IndyCar drivers, you know, getting online and playing, playing video games. But, uh, you know, I know for me that I'll certainly be, be streaming more of it and doing more of it, but, um, 
but yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see how it's played out. I, I, I hope we can take more positives out of it um, than, than some of what the media has, has been covering lately, which has been brutal. And I asked James Hinchcliffe the same thing. He had he had like suggested potentially, you know, during the off season, since it's such a long off season for IndyCar, just to possibly have like an off season iRacing type of you know challenge. What would you what would you say to something like that? Just so there's more exposure for sponsors and the fans have something that they can kind of, you know, keep their eyes on. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely, I think it's a great idea. But I think it's I would like to say just get sim racers involved. You know, we, we do our own thing already, right? But maybe each driver should be in charge of running his own team, right? Or running his own organization. Um, obviously, I don't I, I don't know what the cost would be like for that. But, uh, but yeah, if we can somehow get our sponsors more and more visibility, I think that's important, you know, for everyone. And final question, with less than two weeks to go until the season opener in Texas, uh, what are your goals for the 2020 season? Um. Just get rolling. I, I think, you know, we have a lot of, I, I really want to win races. I really want to do well. I really want to get, you know, get some, get some trophies, some podiums. Um, you know, Carlin, I've been with them last year. So we have some things to look at. We have some things that we can, uh, you know, that we can, we can work on together and that goals that we set again from last year, which are, which will be really cool. Uh, but, but Ed Carpenter racing, you know, I've done, I've only done a day and a half with those guys. So I, I just want to get, get the ball rolling. I want to be able to, um, you know, bring those guys some success. I want to bring the air force some success, but we've got to also realize that this is a new, an entirely new situation for me. So there will be some, you know, some learning time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I hope that we can just hit the ground running, uh, you know, get our preparation done as, 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 as best we can and just see what happens. And, and hopefully we can, we can be happy with some trophies as we roll along here. Uh, thank you so much just for coming on, Connor. I uh, really appreciate, you know, you taking time out of your day and, uh, you know, can't wait to see you on track here in two weeks and, you know, stay safe and healthy, man. No worries. Thank you so much. Anytime. I'll see you later, man. Yep. See ya. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest Connor Daly. It was an absolute joy being able to chat with him about everything from racing, the amazing race, and of course, what time he woke up in the morning. I'd like to thank Connor once again for coming on to the podcast, as well as the Ed Carpenter Racing's communications director, Bree Rents, for making this all happen. Before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. That's about all I have for today, folks. Thank you guys again for listening. I'll catch you later.